0: No, I allowed an hour figuring that you probably didn't want to spend more than that talking about algorithms.
1: Hello and welcome to List Envy. I'm Mark Steadman and this is the podcast where every week I work with a guest to build a top five list on a topic that they choose. Now, I've got a slightly different setup um, today or this week uh, because I've got... um, I've brought an old mic out of cold storage, uh, basically because I've been having so many tantrums with my microphone um, and the cable and the pop shield and the stand and every like every single part of the chain apart from the microphone is a nightmare. So I've um, I've completely thrown everything out and started again. And it's uh, it's much better. And my sanity is a lot, uh, a lot improved. But. You know what? This isn't a podcast about my sanity. Um, This is uh, this is a show about lists and top five lists specifically. So this week's guest is the splendid brain box, uh, Dr. Sophie Carr, who is a Bayesian statistician. She's um, so in human. She's a mathematician. And uh, she wanted to talk uh, about algorithms and so um I, I nearly made the joke of no don't turn off but like i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna dignify that joke um because it's it's a really good episode uh and it's it was a a really fascinating and and uh and lovely chat so uh I'll talk to you um, a little bit later. I've got some follow-up on uh, last week's episode. Uh, We did a Twitter poll and the results are in, so there's that uh, to discuss. So we'll do that a little bit later. But for now, let's go straight in to myself and Dr. Sophie Carr talking about algorithms.
0: Uh, So I am an absolute accidental mathematician. I, I never, ever set out to become a mathematician. I grew up with a unbelievable love of lego and aeroplanes and uh, i often tell the story how as a kid i was trying to build space rockets out of lego um, and i never had enough roof tiles to be heat shields because <laughs> back in the day uh, you didn't really get sets of lego as you get now and if you did get a set i was always given a house and uh My Mm. dad was convinced that I would just grow up this phase of living aeroplanes. And it wasn't until I I graduated with aeronautical engineering that my dad went, "Mm, maybe this phase isn't something (laughs) you're you're,
1: you're leaving. Maybe this is going to stick.
0: Maybe this is going to stick. And then I did a master's of fluid mechanics because I realized very early in my engineering degree, I can't really build anything and I can't really fix anything. But I could pass my engineering degree simply by being able to manipulate numbers. Mm. And uh, fluid mechanics was the thing that I, I really fell in love with. And after my master's degree, um, five years at university, I really had to get a job. And that job, very kindly, said they'd pay for a PhD. And I was an engineer. Uh, I was an engineer working with aircraft. And I just found a PhD in this thing called Bayesian Networks. And I didn't know what it was. And that was the game changer literally overnight, it went from being, I'm going to work with airplanes to, oh, I can work with airplanes, but what is this? What is this amazing <laughs> thing? And I spent eight years part-time PhD doing it at evenings and weekends and things like that. And from that point on, I moved very slowly during my PhD into more um, analytical than engineering work. So I never, ever, ever set out to be a mathematician.
1: Wow. Um, that's, uh, that's, that's quite, a fun and circuitous route um i've got a a tan- well it's got to seem like an odd tangent question but given your your start in in fluid dynamics yeah have you seen the tv show patriot no um it's 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 not a good name for a tv show but um it's about a spy who has to infiltrate a piping company oh and There is there are a couple of sections that um, there is there is a thing in in the um, in the series called the piping speech. And it is a whole thing about more less to do with the actual fluid mechanics, but the mechanics of the pipes themselves. And I think there is a mixture of real jargon and made up jargon. But it is one of the most entertaining speeches uh, that you will likely hear because it just sounds like complete gibberish, but very, very clever very sensible, sane gibberish. And I'll have to send you a link to it because um, then you might listen to that and think, yeah, no, that's totally, that's completely legit. That's how it works.
0: Oh, well, do you know what? So I genuinely think the reason I've ended up working more in sort of statistics based and, and analytics is, is because of fluid mechanics. Um, and I, I went to university and oh, things like balancing reciprocating engines and structures, not a clue. Ask me to understand what happens with the air flowing over a wing ask me what happens to a little squishy bit of a molecule in the liquid got it got it because i can see the patterns in the waves i kind of that's kind of how i think so if you just take those patterns and waves and you take them from fluid mechanics and you call them distributions that's really all statistics is to me which is why i work in bayesian statistics whenever i can because we have to use these priors and they are just shapes. And I bet there probably is a lot of jargon in there that's p- quite true, but it is just looking at the wavy bits and the shapes. It's cool. Maths. Mm. Have you seen, um there's a really good book, uh, it's by Simon Singh on the maths that's in uh, The Simpsons, because that's all completely correct. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The maths that you see in The Simpsons, those complicated equations, lots of them are fluid mechanics, actually. Um Yeah, they are mathematically correct.
1: Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. That's that's what happens when you have writers who um who care about their craft.
0: And have a PhD.
1: Yes. Uh, that helps. Uh The Good Place is another one uh, like that. I'm slightly um slightly obsessed with the good place. Uh just because uh, I listen to that the, there's a, a follow-up podcast about it and everyone on there is so incredibly lovely. And uh there's a lot of work that goes into the um getting the philosophy right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So yeah. So um why don't you let's just pretend that neither me or my listeners know what bayesian statistics is or are oh okay can you can you give us a primer
0: <laughs> can i give you a primer okay so bayes theorem um is when you look at it uh, a really really simple equation and i say that because in its simplest form it is two things which you times together two numbers that you times together in its simplest and when you put it in a really complex form it's got three components you times the top two and divide by a third. And when you look at it, you might think, well, that's actually quite simple. I can times two numbers and then divide the answer. But it is unbelievably powerful. And the reason for that is that it is how we think naturally. Or well, that's, that's how I see Bayes' theorem. Because what Bayesian statistics does is it lets you use all the information that you have when you are making a estimate or updating a probability. So the best way to explain this is if I ask you what the probability is that it might rain tomorrow or later on today, you use all those things that you have stored up inside, and you might go, Well, it's September, so yeah, might be a fairly good chance it rains, but actually it's sunny today, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change that probability that I think it's going to rain. And what Bayes theorem gives you is this incredible a way of incorporating all the information that you have. And, and they separate out into, se- into different terms. So we have something called a, a prior, and that's just that innate belief, that background probability of something happening. Um, and then we have a likelihood ratio, which is a, a slightly different variable, uh, a number. Um, and what that looks at is comparing the odds of two hypotheses, the odds of it raining and not raining together. And that's all Bayes' theorem is. The reason that it becomes uh, a great big um, area of mathematics is because those priors, that, that straight-out belief of something happening or not happening, um, is open to contention. Because the other option for Bayes and statistics is frequentist, and they count everything and they do experiments, whereas Bayes' theorem tends to go, okay, so what do we know? Can we get it from information? Are we going to use subjective opinion? If you've got subjective opinion, how do you know if it's right? But to me, because it lets you use everything, and it is so powerful, and it is used in so many areas of maths today, uh, that's the reason I kind of fell in love with it. Because to me, it's, it's just intuitive. You do Bayesian statistics when you cross the road. Everybody thinks like a Bayesian statistician.
1: We are talking about our, our um, top five algorithms that have changed the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, why don't, you, why don't you give me your first?
0: My, my very first one. Okay, so I realised that when we said we were going to do the top five algorithms that changed the world, uh, we didn't agree on how we were going to pick the top one. Nope, so um I have gone for an algorithm that's called a code, actually, but um it's called the turbo code. Have you heard of it? I don't think so okay, so this big, this is my favorite, and I think there are other algorithms I've covered that might have changed the world more, but this one is my favorite because it at the heart of it it's it's Bayesian statistics so turbo code is in your mobile phone, okay, and it was derived by uh, a gentleman called. Claude Beru, and what's so amazing about it is that he was a telephone engineer, and when he derived it, nobody believed that it was was actually this great. And uh, what it does is something that is quite simple. It encodes your information uh, twice, okay? So it will take a phone call, and it will encode it twice, and then using Bayesian statistics, you decode and you look at the likelihood ratios until you find them that match, and then you know what the code is trying to tell you. The reason for that, the reason it's so clever is that it has made mobile phones really, really efficient and it underpins your 4G networks. How does it do that? Okay, so basically, one of the problems with mobile phones um, and mobile phone technology was the fact that it was very, very inefficient to send information. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what was needed was something that was. Far more efficient. So the batteries worked and you didn't have to worry about network coverage so much and all of those types of things. Um, and it's something it's over 99 percent efficient. It, it, it's absolutely amazing. So what it does is um, you make a telephone call. OK. And then you, you encode it. OK. And what you do is belief propagation. So you try and infer from these two bits of encoded information what the actual message is. And when you actually use these with the likelihood ratios, and they're the bits of Bayes theory I was telling you about, what you need are the two bits to match. And so you run through all the different hypotheses of what these two things could be until they match. But because you can do this incredibly efficiently, you reduce the time, you reduce the energy, and you reduce the processors. Wow. It's cool. And I think most people <laughs> are quite attached to their smartphones. So I think um, having an algorithm that has made things like four G possible and really efficient. I think that I'm going to put that as my favourite one because it's also based in statistics.
1: Beautiful. Okay. Uh, well, I feel like mine uh, uh, sort of neatly dovetails with, with yours. Um, and uh, I've I've gone for um a co creation of of Abraham Lempel and Jacob Ziv. Oh. Um, otherwise known as uh, Lempel and Ziv. And uh, this is LZ77. Um, this is a, a, a form of text compression. Oh, nice. And it is the form of text compression that is in uh, a, a zip file. And a zip file is basically the most ubiquitous known sort of it's it's the bit of compression that touches the most people because it's something we interact with we understand a zip file mm-hmm. uh, obviously compression is everywhere and that's you know but we don't touch it in the same way that we we really interact with zip files and and you know we've we've passed those around for decades you know I used yeah. to use um i can't remember the 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 particular application but it was um uh on my on my dos machine i would be zipping and unzipping and um and and, and you know like like billio um but the the, uh, the the algorithm that um that makes it work is is I, I find it quite nice um and it's quite a simple system so you have um uh, a phrase uh, the the you know quick brown fox jumped over the lazy dog mm-hmm. actually that's a bad example because that's got Hasn't got a lot of repetition, Um, but if you if you take if you take the uh, the police song do 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 da 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 you're looking for lots of repetition, and so what you what you do is you look ahead through the string and you say well these you know x x number of characters like three characters are being used Uh, this is the second time I have found this set of characters, so I'm going to drop a marker here. The marker says go back 17 characters and you'll find this. Repeated set, and this repeated set is three characters long um and so you keep dropping that same marker every time you've got this repeated character set, so there's another form um of compression that does it with a dictionary lookup, so you're looking at common words, you have a dictionary right at the top, and you're just creating pointers to common words. This one can compress anything, and it doesn't matter whether it's English or or whatever because it's all to do with looking at you know I guess it's probably three or four or more characters. Um, and it's it's this method of how you drop the marker by by saying you have to spool back X number of characters to find this bit, and then that's how it works. Uh, and that's um, that's L, uh, LZ77 um, compression.
0: Oh, now you see the second algorithm I've chosen actually link slightly to your choice at first, yeah. uh, because my, my second algorithm are the algorithms that create uh, universally unique identifiers. Ooh. Ah, uh, because I think they're really, really important.
1: Um, yes, so do I. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting very nerdy now. I like this.
0: <laughs> okay, so this is probably something you know a bit more about than me. But um, I was I was just starting to think about all the different ways that you identify yourself with cards and numbers. And then actually it hadn't crossed my mind until very long ago about that you would need a universally unique identifier um, on things that are made of computers. And how do you go about having an identifier that has never been created before and and won't be created again yes because that might have to be a really big number and then i got interested in 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 where it all came from so they started off by having a time time and date stamp that's great because that in theory should never be repeated um, and then you used to tack on uh, a code for the computer and a code for the network that that computer might be on. And then there were bits of randoms. Um, and I thought that was really cool because that lets you start to put together identifying data sets, uh, providing they've used a, a, a unique identifier from all sorts of different places. Uh, and what can you do with that data? Because you could find really interesting stuff. Um, and I became really, oh, I started to look at this. Anyway, the, the, the current ones are quite clever. They still have the date and timestamp, which is the thing. That won't ever be repeated. But actually now, they seem to have uh, 128-bit random bits put at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I I thought this was quite a clever algorithm. And I like this because it, it means we can all work together across distributed networks and not clash.
1: Yes. Absolutely. So the the um the the, the reading I've been doing suggests uh, it's 122 random bits, oh. and then the oh yeah, I was I wasn't seeking to um no, okay. to, to correct you. The reason I bring it up is um is it goes on to say because I was really interested in the collision rate because that's the thing yeah. that like, you know I, I'm I'm you know well, I'm always thinking about because. It, to, to explain it to, to anyone who, who isn't following, you have um, what is sometimes called a GUID or a GUID. Uh, that's typically by Microsoft or a, a UUID, mm-hmm. and it's a universal, unique identifier. Um, and it's done without having to coordinate with anyone else. Mm. And so when that happens, there is a non-zero chance of a collision.
0: There absolutely is. Um,
1: I don't know how to read this mathematical nota- notation, but I think it's two to the power of 61, um, which doesn't seem right. Um that's oh no! It's the square root of no. I don't know how to read this. <laughs> read this number. <laughs> I might have to send it to you in Skype um, because I don't know what the uh, that particular carrot symbol means uh, in uh, in mathematical um, notation. So uh, I'm going to quickly drop this, and you can read it to me. in, okay. in Human.
0: Okay. I'm having a look. Um, yeah. Uh, so that would be to the power. Does that come from Excel? It is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say that's to the power.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's is that 2 to the power of 61 then? Yeah, that's right. 2 to the power yeah. of 61, yeah. Well, the square root of, of 2 to the power of 122, um, which which Wikipedia calls um, basically as next to zero as meets no odds. <laughs> it makes no odds um, in hmm. terms of a collision. So um, because it's got this, this random thing at the end, which I didn't know about.
0: So no, I didn't know about the random thing until I went doing a bit more research to make sure I could talk about this and... <laughs> competently but I think it's really interesting that they moved to randomness uh away from especially the networks I guess have got bigger and and how you define them but yeah I thought I think this is cool because I think this has made a a big difference on the world because I think your ability to put data sets together and to start to look across those but the the hit rate I was really interested in the stats of the hit rate but I ran out of time before I, got that, before I got that far, so come yeah, on. There's
1: only so much you can do. Yeah,
0: we're, we're on a roll here. Tell me that your second, tell me your second algorithm dovetails with that one. Um, uh,
1: uh, uh, maybe I could make it um, dovetail, but I, I'll just tell you. Um, it is. Um, well, I've got it down as RSA, but that's only oh, one that's example my, of this.
0: That's my favourite oh, cool. one. Yeah, I love this algorithm.
1: Oh, brilliant. Um, <laughs> so so specific or, or more generally, I was talking about um public uh or uh, public key crypto <laughs> – try that again new teeth i'm breaking them in public key cryptography um or uh asymmetric cryptography yeah. um and so I, I i might try giving the layman's explanation since this is my uh this is my uh, item and then you can uh chime in with the the, the correct one um but the, the best example that i have heard of so far is you have a, a mailbox with uh uh, two keys one key can turn uh, left the other key can turn right and if you turn the key left you can put something into the mailbox um Uh, and if you turn the key to the right, uh, you can take something out of the mailbox. And so you have the key that can turn the thing to the right. Um, but you give your other key to, uh, you can give your other key and the location of your mailbox to as many people as you want. And theoretically you want to give that to as many people as you you want. You want to make that information public because the more that information is replicated, the more we can rely on it. And so you want to tell everybody, this is exactly where my mailbox is, um, and give anyone that wants to the key that can turn left to put anything into the mailbox um, and um, that is sort of the 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 simplest explanation um of of public. Uh, and private key cryptography that I know of. Um, now for the rebuttal, uh, I hand it over to Sophie Carr.
0: <laughs> no, no, I think that's a really good explanation. Um, so, so my love of these are the fact that those public keys you were talking about um, are always going to be something called a composite number. And that's the number that we make from prime numbers. Yeah. Okay. So I, I really love primes. Um, and in fact, <laughs> so yeah, so I just, I think prime numbers are great. And I spend a lot of time doing prime factorization with my, my kids at the moment, um, which is like, oh, here's a great application of the things that you're you're doing for your homework. Um, but I think what's really great is that it's, have you heard of a Mersenne prime?
1: Oh, I feel like I have, but I don't know what it is. OK, so so
0: <laughs> at the moment, um, the the key, those public keys depend on prime numbers. And so we need ever and ever bigger prime numbers. Um, but prime numbers, the definition of a prime number is? Uh
1: only divisible by
0: itself and one? Almost. It has (gasps) almost. And that's the classic definition you get taught. But a prime number has two and only two factors. Now, that's really important. So tell me this. Two is a prime number. It has the factors one and two. What are the factors of one?
1: Oh. Oh.
0: (laughs) Oh, you see? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? So I really like that. I really like that. Uh, Technically, a prime number has two and only two factors. Anyway, Mersenne primes is two times itself a given number of times, generally lots, take away one. And the top 10 biggest prime numbers are Mersenne primes. Um, And what's really great about Mersenne primes is when you write them in binary, they're just strings of one. Oh, <laughs> that's really cool isn't it yeah. I love that I really love that fact um so anyway uh, at the moment these public keys are used and they're prime numbers and the Mersennes. but with the advent of quantum computing we're likely to have to move away from that from the algorithm I know yeah so there we go that that was why I like RSA's, was because of the prime number
1: oh, oh lovely uh, I, I feel like any any self-respecting mathematician uh, I know should should have a, a healthy love of, uh, of of primes
0: yeah yeah um there's yeah. I, I think they're Standard. amazing. Well yeah. I I think they're underappreciated. Mm-hmm. But I don't I mean I don't do a massive band other than having to at the moment drill them into my children.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um all right, well, uh since that was your number three Yeah,
0: what's your third?
1: Well, no, it's, it's it's on to you. Uh, I, I want your I want your fourth. You
0: want my fourth? Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is where I go a little bit mainstream. I think. Uh, yeah. Well, if we're talking about algorithms that have changed the world, yep. somewhere in there has to be the page rank algorithm for Google.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, you,
0: no, but yeah. you didn't choose that, did
1: you? I didn't. <gasps> But this is this, this is the beauty of of what we do here. Our beauty is not to to both pick exactly the same items. We we will come together and our and our choices will will meld uh, and we'll have a list that's made of our of our both uh, our, our differing viewpoints. So um, yeah, I think this is a great choice.
0: Well, I, I felt that if we were talking about things that genuinely changed the world, we yeah. I probably had to mention Google somewhere down the line because uh, it's it, you know it's had a bit of a bit of an impact. Um, and what I really like about this is it's. It's incredibly efficient, and in, because I do a lot of stuff in Bayesian statistics and, and Bayesian networks, the fact that it, it creates links between those between those pages, and it looks at randomness and how a random web surfer would actually surf, and and how would it link them, and then it ranks them based on the links and going backwards and forwards, is just a really really efficient but highly accurate way of looking at things.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: and so for that reason, other than it is efficient and everybody knows Google, that's kind of why it made my list.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. And, and I, I suspect you know the fact about the name of the, uh, of the, of the algorithm. Okay. Go ahead. The 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 fact being that um it's got it's 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 just a coincidence that it it's ranking web pages um because it's named after Larry Page.
0: Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. That's I was I, I was not waiting. Not that interesting for... a fact, but it's... no, it is. I was waiting for you to say something else. I was like, oh, have I? missed? <laughs> am I, am I, like, I I I only really know one fact about this. Because <laughs> <laughs> okay. you
1: know you, you think you think it's page page, rank, page yeah um yes that is I I. Feel like uh, back in the day, I, I don't know how much this algorithm has been tweaked now, um, or whether they they've sort of adapted it and moved on. But um, I, I suspect actually they they probably couldn't tell you what the algorithm is now because it's like YouTube's algorithm; it's probably a black box. Um, and we'll get into that in a bit, actually, uh, with mm-hmm. one of my uh, one of my items. But um, I remember it, you used to be able to get your number um sort of your, your, your page rank number back in the day and that was that was quite a thing to be able to do in sort of two thousand and five was to um was to try and get that number and boost it. Yes. Whereas now I just it does yeah, it feels um, a slightly different approach. Alright. My next one isn't quite as exciting, but uh I think in terms of the future, um I, I think I'm gonna go with the proof of work algorithm.
0: Oh, okay, nice one
1: um so this might be or it's looking to be superseded by a proof of stake algorithm which is something that was proposed uh, a couple of years back um because this is causing all sorts of problems at the moment but uh, essentially uh, it's used by bitcoin and other blockchain things now um it's important i think when you talk about bitcoin to say bitcoin is probably going to go away at some point it's a bit of a fad the blockchain the thing that it's built on is really interesting and is having real-world consequences at the moment that is used for tracking truth and, and um, keeping track of veracity of things. Uh, and so the, the proof-of-work algorithm works by computers solving complex uh, puzzles and uh, complex mathematical puzzles and competing to solve them and getting rewards when they do. Uh, and those rewards are basically computed into to monetary rewards. Uh, and with so with Bitcoin, there's a, only a certain number of... Um, Coins you can mine, and the the coins are mined by doing these these algorithms. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's basically a, a cryptographic um, puzzle. Um, and so the 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 problem with that is you can end up with. So, so the 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 beauty of blockchain, especially, is that it's decentralized. It's lots of nodes working together in big networks to be able to to share information or to to. Share the um, authority on information. What happens when you have what's happening at the moment is that um, organizations uh, and node clusters are banding together and you're creating these mega networks of huge mining corporations, effectively, um, that are then causing to give us more centralization, which is absolutely what we don't want, uh, which is why um, we may move to a new system called proof of stake, um, but that is. Uh, A a discussion for another topic and something I know even less about than this. I did a little bit of blockchain work uh, a while back, um, and it's very interesting and uh, it's kind of uh, mind-blowing to to, in certain aspects. But I think the applications of it um, could be incredible. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) So, so there you
0: go. Okay, that's a cool one. All
1: right. Um, what's next?
0: So my last one. Uh so again, I had a really good think about what I thought had changed the world. Um and actually I kind of come up with something that I think has changed lives and therefore maybe changed the world. Um so my my last algorithm is proportional integral derivative control. Okay. Uh which is an amazing algorithm that you find in your car. It's behind your ABS braking system. Ah. which is kind of why it made it onto my list. Mm -hmm. So what a proportional integral derivative control algorithm does is it has uh, three coefficients. It has three things you worry about. But basically, you read a sensor, and then the algorithm computes um, a response, okay? And it sums up those responses to work out what it should do. So you work out a proportional response, which is where you look at the difference between um, what you predicted and where you are. It's basically like an error term. For want a better okay. phrase. Um, and then the integral sums that every term over time, and the derivative causes what's happening the output to decrease if something becomes too big. And this is used all over automation, it's used all over automatic responses. So pretty much any machine that uh, works on production lines has a proportional integral derivative control within it, um, and it's in your automatic braking. And I just think the fact that it, it's in that braking system, which most of us take for granted these days, I, th- I think that's kind of changed the world.
1: Certainly made it a lot safer. Yeah. Um, when, I, when I had a driving lesson many, many years ago um, with a, <clears throat> a guy who does, I was going to say stunt driving, but it's not exactly that. It's um, driving that you would hope... To not have to use in real life and um he he sort of um proposed this this idea of poor man's abs which is basically stomping very quickly uh and sharply on the brake, um which is effectively a much slowed down version of what abs is doing mm-hmm. um so you, yeah it's that constant sort of um yeah short sharp uh yeah okay that's wow that is uh that's an interesting one. All
0: right. Okay. Wow. So, come on. Where, where did you go for your fifth
1: one, then? My my final one, then, is um, dynamic range uh, compression. Uh, oh, actually, no, because I've got, I've got two more. Sorry. That, that's, that's number five. Um, my number four is uh, reinforcement learning.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. I like reinforcement yeah. learning.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, so, very simply. I, I like this one as it, it just felt... As as sort of machine learning algorithms go, it felt kind of wholesome. Um
0: <laughs> I like that term. It's a wholesome yeah. algorithm. Yeah. It's as opposed to, you know, fun.
1: adversarial. Okay. Um, yeah, so you you have a uh, what they call an agent, um, which uh, observes its its environment. Uh, it takes action on that environment and uh, receives. A, now, I bet you there's got to be a lot of Bayesian uh, statistics in this because it's all about probability. Um, and I, I I did see me some Bayesian curves in this, so I, you know this this has got to factor factor quite heavily. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and uh, you know the 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 idea of the, the agent is is it wants to not only maximize the short term rewards it's going to get so it wants mm-hmm. to uh it wants to keep solving problems to get more rewards but it also looks to gain more rewards cumulatively over time and and solve problems so that it can get i guess bigger and, and more pr- um uh, rewards a greater propensity. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that's, what, that's why I picked that one.
0: That's quite cool. And there's some really good stuff out there on reinforcement learning and
1: mm. um,
0: and how you've got to be careful how you set those games up because if you play things like capture the flag, you you can win that by just not playing with anybody else.
1: Ah, the uh, the best way to to win is not to play.
0: <laughs> well, no, if you just keep it and run round and round and round, you don't you don't have to let anybody else win, do you?
1: No, no that's very true. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so per- all right, so yeah my my last one um i it was a bit of a stretch, maybe say so it changed the world, but it changed my world oh um and that's yeah it's 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 dynamic range compression, which is uh, nothing to do with making files smaller, it's all to do with audio Ooh, and, I don't
0: know this one
1: okay, so this is um so back in the day this this is something that has been turned turned into an algorithm that is was done by humans um but effectively the best way to imagine it and I can talk freely about this one I don't have to look up any notes because it's something what I know about um, <laughs> if you imagine um someone delivering a speech and someone uh, that that person will sometimes be very very loud and then sometimes it might be quite quiet and sort of dramatic and drawing you in you want to make sure that the quiet parts are still loud enough for everybody to hear and they draw you in and they still sound dynamic and punchy but you want to make sure that the loud parts don't blow your speakers out so what you need is a person that lives just about half a second in the future so that they can take the 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 fader of that person's microphone and turn the gain up and down based on how loud and quiet they're going to be um what a compression algorithm does is it does that in real time. So it has a look-ahead time um, of, you know, so so many milliseconds, usually quite a small number. And it will keep, as they say, riding the fader. So it will keep um, making the uh, audio uh, or the uh, upping and downing the gain of that person's microphone effectively so that everything kind of sounds at the same level. And so I use it in all of the audio work that I do. Um, And it's even in, uh, there's a popular podcast player called Overcast. And Marco Arment, who built Overcast, was the first, I believe, to put in and trademark uh, something that he calls Voice Boost. And that's what basically... that's essentially what this what this compression is doing um but it it basically means that if you haven't done it on your own file uh this app will do it in real time on the file that you are listening to um but it's it's a great way it's what radio stations use um to make everything still punch through your your stereo if you're in the car and there's a a, a song that's quite quiet you can still hear every bit of it because the gain for that quiet portion has been turned all the way up um and uh, and that's uh, that's dynamic range compression.
0: That's really cool. So i love the phrase riding the 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 faders that's the fader yeah Yeah, that's like that should be in star wars or something
1: yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's got it's got that kind of feel to it um but it's it's definitely a thing like i've had to do that in in um when i've gone and and done live recordings with people and i've got rubbish microphones you have to just sit on the faders all the time and try and watch for the people to find out when they're going to speak so you can turn them up quickly and then turn it down and all that kind of stuff and that's that's what compression's doing but in real time and, and mathematically um, and it is, uh, there are algorithms that do it. So, uh, there you go. Fascinating, Mark. Why don't you talk about algorithms for another 10 minutes? Um, and, and, and also why are you doing it from what seems like the bottom of a well? I don't know what happened to my microphone that day. Uh, I also had one of my, um, colds that it uh, seems to come on every six weeks. uh, uh spoiler, um, A lot of most of these episodes are recorded well in advance. Um, So the mark that you got back then is not the same mark that you get now. Um, So, yeah, this is Sophie Carr and I I love um, episodes like this. I mean, one of the things that I love about this show is that it really is about celebrating the I wouldn't even say obscure, but the things that people love that aren't just like, yeah, okay, we all love whatever band or, or TV show or whatever. Okay, we've all seen X um but this is about hey did you know like this is the sort of you get cornered by someone at a pub and you have like an hour long conversation where they they tell you all the things about the princess bride that um that they love I, I that once happened to me that happened to me earlier this year i got absolutely cornered by a complete stranger he was a friend of my brothers um who was a like a a, a, a whew, just uh, an interesting gent um and he 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 spoke at great length about his love for the Princess Bride. Um, so this podcast then um you can uh, you can support this this show uh, and i'll um I'll, I'll actually say at some point I might do some of the things I've promised and put some stuff out on the member feed, but um the member feed is uh, is, is another little extra that you can get uh, for supporting this show um so what I'm trying to do is get to a point where we can have each episode transcribed and you can help me do that uh, from just uh just two pounds a month it's not even from it's just four. Just two pound a month, that's it, uh, and you get extra stuff when well, no, I, I get around to putting it out. But you do, um, and you know there's there's extra episodes and extra bits from episodes and stuff. Um, so uh, it's 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 lovely stuff, and you can find all of that at pod dot fan um, And uh, you can also sign up for the newsletter if you are not the type of person who subscribes to podcasts. Um, I know someone listening at the moment who's. Probably almost certainly going to be listening to this episode because of the subject matter. Who does not necessarily subscribe to all podcasts? Um, so if that's a thing, then you can subscribe to the newsletter, and then that way you don't miss an episode. And if you're like, yeah, this one, nah, not for me. Um, I mean, they're all great. Let's let's be honest. But you know, okay, anyway. <laughs> uh, so yes, um, follow the uh, the link in your podcast app, or go to listnvpod.com and sign up for the newsletter there um that will be lovely thing to do so uh in in uh, in weeks to come we've got um uh, coming up to christmas we've got uh a chat with john hickman i think uh, we, who's a, a pod friend of mine i think next week we've got emma stroud who's a performer and we talked all about fruits uh and uh, so there's there's lots of episodes all the way up until christmas uh and beyond um so yeah uh, keep subscribed if you're if you are already um and if you want to follow the show list is the place to go now before we get back to the episode i promised that there would be feedback uh and um i'm very pleased to tell you that um we uh we, we had a vote uh I, I put a twitter poll out uh a couple of days ago um asking people uh, and so if if you caught last week's episode it was all about Uh, 90s uh, kids shows, so uh, cartoons. Um, And Jamie and I were both uh, fans of the BBC TV programme Going Live. And uh, it was superseded after a few years on the air by a show called Live and Kicking. So I asked our Twitter friends and followers, uh, if you were a 90s kid uh, in the UK, you had a favourite Saturday morning show from Children's BBC. Which was it? So, one of these got 27%, the other got 73%. Uh and and the one of course that got 73% is going live because it was the original and best. Oh eight nine eight eight one one eight one eight one something like that. That was the that was the phone number you used to ring up. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um oh, what a, I just wow, what a, well, lovely memory. Anyway, that I, I just I had to share that with you because I thought brilliant, vindicated. Uh, it's all about going live. That is the TV program. Um, so, okay, that's enough nonsense. Let's get back to some some beautiful nerdery. Um, this is myself and Sophie Carr counting down our uh, combining our lists of the five algorithms that changed the world. I think we've got quite a nice sort of uh, short to, to to long list here. Yes um so the question is going to be what we end up with uh out of our out of our two well out of our nine basically um now i'm quite happy to i kind of just wanted to make the the case for dynamic range compression i'm quite happy that we don't put that in um i think i i think rsa we both know has got to go in because it's it was yeah. something we both chose um oh, i really like turbo code and uuids um,
0: I'm, I'm happy just... to have those two. I'm happy to leave the the page rank out. Mm.
1: Well, okay. Well, that leaves us if we go with Turbo Code UUIDs RSA. Um, I feel like I want to put the um, the LZ compression in there. Yep,
0: yep. Happy with that,
1: that one. That, that feels important. Um, then, then that leaves us a, 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 a number five, um, and I think through my list there's nothing else that i really need to fight for um so i, I think PageRank should go in there <laughs> okay i think that's absolutely fine um but so, it goes at the bottom okay yeah no that's absolutely fine um so in that case then we need to decide the order of four three two and one um <gasps> okay i i kind of want to put rsa first
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: um and then maybe turbo code
0: Okay, yeah, TurboCo can go second.
1: Then LZ compression, then UUIDs, and then PageRank.
0: That sounds about the right order to me.
1: Oh, right. Well, I'm going to formally ask you, Sophie Carr, do do you consent to this list?
0: I consent to that list.
1: Then we have an accord. That is wonderful. So when when you're not um, making lists of algorithms, (laughs) um, what do you do and um, how may people follow the things that you do?
0: Uh, so, I set up a data analytics company uh, about, well, in fact, exactly 10 years ago next month, which uh, does all sorts of fun problems and pattern solving for people. And if you want to find us, you can find us um, across social media. Our handle is at Bayes Tastic. That's B A Y S T A S T I C. It's stats to make you smile. Um, and you can find, <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, I'm at Sophie Bayes, Sophie B A Y S. And you can find us at uh, on all, of all main social media channels.
1: What is a fun problem that you've solved?
0: Uh, so I think a really fun problem, which you can, um, can find on our company website, is we worked out um, how to help dog breeders reduce um, the risk of genetic disease. And that was really good fun, and actually helped a lot of people, so we do yes. fun, yeah I, I that was quite cool um and we we enjoyed doing that a lot, and we've done uh we found patterns in sales data for weather, we do all sorts of cool stuff uh, the main one we're doing at the moment, which is incredible fun and it's just a, it's just an in-house research project with another company, is actually working out where shellfish come from based on the chemical signatures in their shells. Wow, yeah, that's really good fun.
1: So you must really deal with a lot of disparate topics because, uh, you know, maths is is at the heart of it, but, you, you know, maths is just the thing that's facilitating the real world problem. So, yeah, you must, you must get to all sorts of things.
0: Oh, I honestly, I, I am one of those really annoying people. I literally have the best job in the entire world.
1: <laughs> I, Do what you love and then it doesn't feel like work.
0: It's really not. I bounce out of bed in the morning and I... I absolutely love our job. It's just brilliant. We, like you say, we work with so many different people on so many different topics. No day is ever the same. No days, no. And we we go around, and people say, "You just seem really happy you're doing numbers." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, thank you. I I just go and and literally my job is just playing hide and seek. (laughs) Because the patterns and the answers are hidden and all I've got to do is find them. Literally, I get paid to do hide and seek day in day out and the kids hate because i am brilliant at hide and seek
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes of course you are because you're now using bayesian statistics to figure out in what cupboard they're hiding in
0: yeah they're quite big they can't really hide in that many places anymore (laughs) (laughs) it's just it's just great and then and then you say oh you know should we go and go for a day out and we um we go to really cool places like bletchley park and stuff like that (laughs) i just love it
1: Ah, oh, that's absolutely wonderful. Bayesconsulting.co.uk and uh, yeah. go and see just exactly what fun um is is uh, is being had. <laughs> um I as as someone who I kind of wish I was if if someone had told me that maths is kind of just like like if someone had couched it in terms of problem solving or hacking or something like that, I feel like maths would have been a thing that I would have glommed onto a bit more. Um, because I think I just got it in my head. I'm bad at maths, I'm bad at numbers. But I don't think that's all of what maths is.
0: No, EC you just made a, a comment there, which I think is quite common. So there mm. there is a really big difference between maths and numeracy. Yes. And everybody, everybody has to be numerate because just to be able to function in everyday society, you need to be able to make sure that you're getting the right change, that you can work out what you owe, that your bank balance is actually what it should be. Those, you know, really fundamental things. And that's numerous. And we absolutely have to teach that. But maths at its absolute best is a sheer art form. There is a beauty and an elegance in proofs and algorithms that I think anybody can learn to appreciate. And for some people, if you think of yourself as it actually moves you. And I think that is lost. Those abstract concepts, those beautiful shapes, those stunning patterns. You know, you've only got to look at the um, geometric is, Islamic tiles, which are all mathematical patterns, and anybody can appreciate those. So I, I think it would be lovely if more of, the beauty of mathematics and what it can be is taught uh, along alongside the numeracy
1: that is a beautiful place to end so sophie carr thank you very much for joining me
0: thank you for having me i've had an absolute blast